Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the fast and easy cloud accounting solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You can try FreshBooks right now for free. Just go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section for a free trial. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want, with access to thousands of online video courses, including a wide range of photography topics and skills. For seven days of free, unlimited, in-depth courses, just visit lynda.com slash twip. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash twip. This week on TWIP, Instagram grows larger than Twitter, Adobe drops $800 million to buy Photolia, and Flickr taking heat for profiting on Creative Commons licensed images. It's Monday, December 15th, 2014, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss the world of photography and more are my two friends, Mr. Joseph Lenaski and Ms. Darlene Hildebrandt. Hey, guys. How you doing? Very hola. Good. Hola. Yeah, you, Darlene, you say hola, right? Where, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Where, where is Darlene Hildebrandt, right? <laughs> I am in mi casa in Granada, Nicaragua. Wow. And you said everything with the accent and inflection and everything. Check that out. Hey, I've been taking lessons, man. No, are you you're teaching the workshop down there, right? Uh, we finished that. We, um, we finished the tour a month ago, actually. We've been here six weeks now. So uh, we brought 10 people down. We toured them around the country, and everybody had a fabulous time, and copious amounts of cervezas and rum were consumed, and... Um, sea turtles were released and photos were taken, and um, now we're just we're just hanging out here because it's a heck of a lot warmer here than it is in Canada right now. Oh yeah, yeah, the ice box that is Canada, yeah. And on the way to the ice box, you pass through the lake that is California, right? Or Oregon, <laughs> right, Joseph? <laughs> yeah, we're getting some rain too. Thank goodness. Yeah, well, Joseph, what's going on with you, man? Oh, you know, I had a baby, so. That's oh yeah, kind of busy. I mean, I didn't, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you donated ten minutes, and now there's, <laughs> and now, now there's a baby. <laughs> and then now there's a baby. That's right. No, so uh, yeah, I mean that's obviously the biggest thing that's been going on, and so that somehow has managed to take up uh, the majority of the last month and the month before that. But um, other than that, I've uh, did a, doing some shows for Panasonic as a Lumix luminary. Went to Portland a couple times and to Austin for some presentations there. Um, mostly shooting locally though, just been trying to keep it here since obviously with the baby coming and now the baby here, it's kind of a good idea to stick around. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's kind of fun is this shoot that I did a while ago for Liquid Assets. It's a restaurant here, liquidassetswinebar.com, and I did a shoot for them to redo their website, and we finally got the thing up just uh, I don't know, just a few weeks ago. So finally got that up. So you can check that out. It's kind of it's nice. It's a Squarespace site. Looks beautiful. All new photos. Came out really really cool. 
It's and, cool. Um, and you know yeah. what? I was I was driving the other day listening to my my playlists of new podcasts and Chris Finwick is in there with his Final Cut Pro Grill or FCPX Grill podcast and guess whose voice I heard on there? I heard both of you guys chatting away uh, about yeah. this project you have 4K you're pumping into Instagram. What's yeah, why not? Because you can. <laughs> <laughs> That means like what? What the? What are you yeah, four K. What? Yeah, it's Instagram. It's awesome. Now that that whole experience is so funny for you because when you called me to ask me some question about Final Cut, I'm like, don't ask me. Talk to Fenwick. You call Fenwick, he puts you on the air. Next yep. thing that he's calling me to put me on the air. <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, and it was like I mean, because both of you guys are my friends. It was like listening to friends that, and then I, but I couldn't interject. You know? <laughs> so cool, man. Well, welcome back. Well, where where's that at? That that. That uh, 4K project is it online yet? Uh, not yet. I don't know why they haven't posted it yet. It's um, it's just a local little um, kind of used clothing, vintage clothing shop. Uh, Harley's Closet, H A R L E E S, Harley's Closet, is the Instagram site and that or Instagram uh, account, and that's where it'll go. Awesome, cool. And Darlene, I cut you off earlier. I know that you you know other than hanging out in Nicaragua for six weeks and drinking and stuff, you got a bunch of other stuff happening <laughs> in your world. What else is happening? Yeah, we uh, we did the official launch of our new portrait lighting on location course last week. Thanks. We did we did pretty well with that, and um, which I created with uh, Twip guy Bruce Clark. Is he um, started his podcast yet? He's, he's, they're working on it. We're, yeah, they've got a bunch of episodes in the can, and we're on the runway, ready to launch. Yeah, so we, we created that together, and it's now out. Our baby is out in the world, and um, people are quite enjoying it. We're getting lots of good feedback on that. And, um, yeah, I've just some stuff that we've been doing here. I mean, I'm trying to keep up with, with writing and maintaining the course and doing my DPS, you know, hat as well. And, yeah. um uh, one of the things we looked forward to was actually we sponsor two kids down here because the part of the big problem, I mean, it's a poor, poor country, right? It's one of the poorest countries in, in Central and South America. Okay. And um, the dropout rate for kids in school is 60% of them leave school by the age of, of 12, by grade 6. So it's, wow. it's, it's huge. It's a huge problem. And how they get out of poverty is through education. And one of the groups that, that we've been doing some stuff with um, – which is the kids that I told you about. I did a class for five kids, sort of like an impromptu class, and we actually did a little photo walk last week with there's about um, five of us. We went on a little photo walk, and my friend Christine came along just with the kids, and they're all, you know, teens, late, mid-late teens, um, and they have a little photography club, and they actually, some of them take really amazing photos, and That's they amazing. have, like, these ancient cameras. You know, they're using, like, 10Ds and, like, EOS Xs, you know, the original Rebels and mm -hmm. stuff like that, and they're still pulling out these amazing photos. And um, I got to meet both of the kids that we sponsor, which was amazing. So a sponsorship means that we pay for their tutoring and stuff for the year, yeah. And through the tutoring programs, it helps them stay in school. And it was really neat to be able to work with the kids directly and go on this photo walk. And we went up this tower at sunset. And it was the first time a couple of them had been up there. So they were like, wow, this is amazing. And um, yeah, so we've been having lots of fun here too. And I just wanted to give Empowerment International a little plug because that's the group that, that we work with here with the kids. Okay. And they do amazing. Yeah. And that's empowermentinternational.org, empowerment right? Org, yep. 
that erg. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll definitely link to that. Cool. Yeah, and awesome. they have a special deal that they just got where they got a grant. Um, I can't yeah. remember who gave them this grant, but they're gonna match any donations that they get this year. So if you got a money burning a hole in your pocket and you want to give it to somebody and do some good, they will. They would gladly take a couple of your bucks. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, we'll link, and that's that's where can that's all at empowermentinternational.org. They can folks can find out about yep. that donation. Okay, all right. They can donate one time or sponsor a kid, and and they'll you'll actually be put in touch with the actual kid, and you get progress reports. It's really it's really great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Well, good. Lots of cool stuff happening with the Twippers in the Twip universe. Let's let's uh, jump into the show. Before we do that, I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode of Twip. That's our good friends over at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy cloud solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You know, as photographers, we capture moments, feelings, vistas, all that cool stuff, even perspectives. But what we don't think to capture sometimes is the income picture of our businesses. You know, income, your expenses, your billable time, all that stuff. And I think one of the reasons why we don't do that is because capturing all those things is boring. That's a simple fact. It's just boring doing that. We'd rather be out taking pictures. Now, thankfully, FreshBooks offers small business owners and freelancers a way to keep track of their time and money without breaking your workflow or lifestyle. You can invoice your clients. You can do it in mere minutes. Expenses can be automatically imported so you don't have to lift a finger. You can track billable time. Basically, they take the hassle out of running your photography business by joining millions of freelancers and entrepreneurs using FreshBooks to run their businesses. So really cool stuff. And this week in photo and basically anything I do personally business wise is run using FreshBooks. And I've been doing it for several years now and I can't tell you how much time it has saved me in terms of headache and following up with clients and billing and getting paid, all that stuff. You know, their tagline is it, it, it says, you know, let me read it here. It says it helps you save time invoicing and get paid faster. And that's exactly what it did for, did for me. I had a stack of things that I had to do, you know, people to reach out to, to, you know, bug about getting paid or all these different things. And once I imported everything into FreshBooks, it basically said, okay, Frederick, yeah, we got this. And they took it over and I get paid, you know, and it just works. I don't think I would be able to run my business as efficiently as I do without FreshBooks. So definitely check them out. And FreshBooks, our sponsor for this episode, is free to try for This Week in Photo listeners. All you got to do is go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free trial. So get out there, capture some beautiful moments and your business finances. Just go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And here's a quick look at what's happening this week on the TWIP Network. Over on All About the Gear, Doug K and I review the Nikon D750. And on Street Focus, Valerie speaks with a photographer who's wandering around searching for familiar faces. And on your itinerary, it's wildlife around the world with Kevin Laughlin. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe to all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. All right, guys, let's do story number one. So... Instagram. So when I read this, I had to read it twice. So uh, basically, on Wednesday, Instagram announced that 
they have more than 300 million active users. And there's two other pieces to the story that's up 50% in just nine months. So it went from 150 to 300 million in nine months. That's some serious growth. And then the second thing is, or the third thing is, they are now effectively larger than Twitter, which has 284 million monthly users. So... This is the perfect top story to talk about on this week in photo, especially with you guys. I want to I want to get your opinions on Instagram as a service, Joseph. Specifically, you you're you're doing high end work now for Instagrammers, and you know to put a fine point on it, Instagram is it is it the new Twitter slash Facebook? Because I've been hearing people are saying I was doing a model shoot last weekend. And the models there were saying, yeah, we don't really use Facebook or Twitter, but here's our Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all of them said the same thing. What do you think, wow. Joseph? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, it, I don't think it really – Twitter's very different. I, comparing it to Twitter is a bit almost odd. I guess it's just because it's another big behemoth that posts out stuff that you – know, social media that you can compare to. Um, and obviously – Facebook's not going to compare it to Facebook's own numbers because they own it. So right, uh, it's a good thing to compare it to. But is it replacing Facebook? Well, I mean, for some users, if they say it is, then it is. That's great. You know, the interaction level is quite different. Um, personally, when I post on Instagram, it also goes to Facebook. And I see more comments on Instagram that are just the, oh, that's a great picture comment. But the people that are following me on Instagram aren't necessarily my friends. Right, I have many more followers on Instagram than I have friends on Facebook. Facebook is one-to-one relationships. Yeah. Right, well, if you, you could build it that way, right? If you right if you cultivate well, right. that group of friends there, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and some people go go both ways on the other side of it, right? You could take Instagram and make it a private account and only accept your friends, and then you could treat it like Facebook. And Facebook, you could accept friends of, from anybody you wanted, uh, up to I, I don't know what the limit is. I know there is a limit there. And you could treat it as a more one-to-many type of a broadcast. But for me, at least, I treat Facebook as people on Facebook. My friends on Facebook are actual friends in, in real life. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, yeah, of course, you're followed by whoever wants to follow you. Yeah. Yeah, and Darlene, I want to have you chime in on this because when I, when I saw this and I just kind of, tra- you know, I was trying to grok what, what this all means. I was looking at, you know, look at, I had Facebook up in the tab and I'm looking at Instagram on my phone. I'm thinking, Facebook is, I mean, for all it's worth, it's complicated. Right, because they've got those algorithms back there. You don't know what you post is going to be seen by whom. You know, you can pay for advertising, and then there's the privacy concerns. And you know, there's whenever I look at it, it's like a bunch of layers, and I kind of feel a little like uh, I'm not sure. But if I look at Instagram, which, like Joseph said, is also owned by Facebook, it seems to be much more of a you know metal to metal experience. I post a photo, these people will see it you know, if it doesn't scroll out of existence by the time they get to it. So, I don't know. Where do you fall on this stuff, darling? Um, you know, it's interesting because I had a couple of thoughts when I read the article because I don't actually use Instagram that much, and I find that my audience, like my readers on my website, live on Facebook because I've asked them, you know, what social media do you live on? Maybe I need to ask them again because the last six months apparently has changed. <laughs> but um, I find that Instagram is maybe a younger crowd, um, as is Twitter. Twitter tends to be sort of the, the techno geeks. Um, you know, Google Plus photographers hang out on Google Plus, and I find that my younger students in my classrooms will be on Instagram. You know, like I go do a night class, and girl's taking a photo, and she's like, "Oh, tag me on Instagram." I was like, "Okay, I'm not even yeah. on Instagram," so I had to go and make an Instagram profile just to tag her on this thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't use it a great deal, but on the converse of that, um, on my DPS 
uh, role, when I'm receiving articles from guest posters, I've actually had a few people that built their business entirely on Instagram. They have no other website. Mm -hmm. Their business is all on Instagram, and their work is good. Like, I've looked at it, and they're getting business just from that. Um, yeah. And there's been articles done on people that have built their business on Instagram. So I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm open and to that's what those models, those models were telling me. They were like, yeah, we get hired for most of our jobs based on our Instagram profile. You know? And I was like, what? Wow. Really? Not our website, not Facebook, not, you know, it's Instagram is the place to be if you're in that genre. Right? So then, so the, both of you guys, what does this mean for us? You know, because we wear two hats. We're, you know, I put uh, all of us in the category of the photopreneur, right? We are... We're doing stuff online. We're not just taking pictures. We're running businesses in one degree or another online that are photography related. So on the one hand, as a photographer, it means one thing. Do I want to share on Instagram? Do I care you know, about those people? Do I want to build up that social network or not? That's one question. On the other side is, as a marketer and a business owner, looking at that 300 million number, you can't ignore that as a marketer. So what, what do you guys say? Joseph, what do, what do you say? I mean, is it... Is from a marketing standpoint, when you put that hat on, are you now compelled to start building up and paying attention to Instagram more? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair statement. You yeah. you're compelled to stay up on any social media that's out there. Anything that comes up, you got to at least look at it, um, pay attention to it, grab an account while you can, under the name that you want, and see what happens. Uh, whether you get involved with it or you just sit back and see what happens is you know that's up to you. But you've got to pay attention to it because that's you could wake up one morning and find out there's this new thing called Elo that no one's ever heard of, and suddenly there's a million or a billion users on it. You just don't right. know. Right. Uh, so like that's you know that's the latest service, and I've got an account on there. It's the same as everywhere else. It's Photo Joseph, and I post on there. Um, I have like two friends on there, right? It's it's yeah. almost nobody following, but you never know when that's going to blow up. And I post the same content there. I mean, you know, I'm not going to take the time to post different content on every different social media. It's just too much. I've I've got other work to do. But yeah. I will post. I do this daily photo, this um, photo Joseph's week of series, and every week I have a different theme. And every day of the week I post a different photo along that theme. And I post it to every account, but I post it to each one directly. It's not post to one and it gets fed out to many. So it's formatted for that site, and the text is formatted for the site and whatever. And I post to Elo every time, and you know, I, every once in a while one person looks at it and makes a comment. Right. But I'm paying attention to it because who knows when it could be the next huge thing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you do have to pay attention to these things, and Instagram is obviously huge. You got to pay attention to it. So, Darlene, when you know, I'm I'm doing this webinar uh, next week, and it's titled Where is it? It's right here. It's it's titled Five <laughs> Habits of Highly Effective Photographers. And one of the one of, yeah, it's going to be really cool. One of the the number oh, one wow. habit I have in here, ironically, is very timely, is have a social methodology and not a strategy. And what I mean by that is, you know, instead of looking at it like, okay, I must post here, then here, then here, and then if I can make this, if I convert this many people over here, I'm a success, and, you know, all that stuff, you take it up a level and start thinking of social media, at least from a business standpoint, as your blog or your online presence is your son, right? You're the son, mm -hmm. and these other networks like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc., are planets around your son not the other way around. You're not revolving around them, they're revolving around you and driving traffic into mm -hmm. you. They're stuck in your gravity, not the reverse. And 
you know, a lot of people don't do that. I, I'm curious to hear what you think because you're, you know, at Digital Photography School, which is, you know, got a gigantic following of photographers. You know, what what would you think about that? I mean, is it is that the correct way to be thinking about it? Like your blog, all like your blog is Rome, and all roads lead yes. to your blog. Right. Agreed. Totally. I mean, the whole point of any social media is to get them to your website. End of story. Right. Um, I can't speak for for DPS because I don't do the social media stuff. That's Darren, but mm -hmm. um, I know that that we on DPS we have a huge Facebook following. Right. And because they're that's where our readers are. And the, so when I get asked about it, basically my answer is I put my efforts into where my readers are. And, and focus there, right? So I know there's there's Twitter and Instagram, and, and I actually forgot about Elo because we talked about that last time I was on. And it was like, okay, I'm so into it that I can't remember the name, right? Um, so all of these different things that come up, and Pinterest, and you know, now you got a YouTube channel, and LinkedIn, and I mean, I got all these things, but I, do I use all of them? No. You know, if somebody friends me on LinkedIn, it's like, okay, whatever. But I engage with my readers on Facebook. They ask me questions. You know, they go to yeah. my website. They buy my products. They sign up for my newsletter um, from there, right? So I'm going to go where they live. And if I find out that they're living on Instagram, then I'm, maybe I should go there too. But I find that I don't want to spread myself too thin because, in my opinion, it's better to do one thing really well than eight things kind of, you know, half, yeah. you know, baked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, you can't. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. You know, focus. Be the you can't be the jack of all trades and then master of none. But you still, in this age, you have to keep your eye on those other trades. For sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, just reading just reading that article, it made me think. Well, geez, maybe I need to make more of a presence there. And I know there's lots of travel photos and things, so maybe marketing my, my photo tours is the direction I should go on, on Instagram because we've had a, an idea for a while of doing a, a photo of a day, but I don't want to do it on my blog, so maybe Instagram is a photo of a day way to go. Yeah, maybe. You know, you know why not? I mean, and just not that much effort to try. Joseph, the, the business that you're doing that 4K project for, first of all, mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure people are still scratching their heads. Like, how in the heck are you squeezing 4K into an Instagram 50? Was it 15 seconds on there you get? Like, like how are you? First of all, how are you doing that? And then secondly, has this person that's running the used clothes clothing store has have they built their store specifically on Instagram as the sole traffic driver? Um, so I'll answer that in reverse order. That's it's not solely. They do have a website as well, but. My understanding is the majority of their sales are through Instagram. They wow. she'll post a picture. It's everything's one off, right? It's all vintage used clothing. So there's one piece of one shirt, whatever. Post that first person that says I want it, they get it. And yeah, all transactions are handled there. And you know that's not exactly scalable to a really massive. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, one off. I guess you could scale it. You could be shipping things all over the world and having thousands and thousands of items. But it works as uh, a young girl selling clothing out of her home that she scours the vintage clothing stores for, buys a whole bunch of stuff, and then comes home, cleans it up, and sells it. You know, it yeah. works for her. Yeah, uh, like you, think, like you guys said on the podcast, it's like you know, business opportunities that weren't here a few years ago are now here. To you right. know, exactly. crazy ways to make money. Exactly. And as far as the 4K stuff, the whole reasoning for that, and uh, and listeners, you should listen to the FCPX Grill 
show to get the full story of this. But essentially, the reason that I'm doing that is, is Twitter is 640 by 640. Um, Instagram is 640 by 640. And I expect at some point it'll get bigger. Uh, so I wanted to make the video at double the necessary resolution, which is totally arbitrary and totally ridiculous and unnecessary. But, you know, you can, so you do. So yeah. double that is 1280 by 1280. Well, at that point, you were already beyond HD resolution, right? HD is only 1080 tall, and this is 1280. So that was part of the reason behind it. And then the main reason for shooting the 4K versus just HD, even if I was doing 640 by 640, was so that I had room to push in. So if we, the shoot that we did, we were in a public place, just in a cafe, um, a bunch of girls dressed up in, in a variety of their clothing, and we were just shooting video of the girls having coffee together. And I'm, you know, to some degree, I'm able to zoom in and move the camera in closer to get into on certain elements of whatever they're wearing. But with 4K, I can really push into the shot without losing any quality and zoom in on the cuff of the the sweater, the you know the necklace around her neck, the earring she's wearing, whatever it may be, and just highlight that without having to get really heavy on, okay, let's change lenses, let's get really close, let's make a big deal out of this, because we're in a public place, we don't want to make a big deal of it. We just sit across on the table from each other, shoot a bunch of video, and then I can pull that together into something that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and I, you know, both of you guys, Darlene, have you chime in on this too? Because you, you said a lot of your or many of your audience are on Facebook, right? And there's there's a couple things on Facebook that I've noticed. A is they really want like when we're talking video, you know, um, like Joseph was just talking about with that project. When you're talking video. Facebook wants you to upload video directly to Facebook, not put it on YouTube and link it, you know, and they've made it clear that, hey, it will get more play if you upload it directly to Facebook versus linking to it from YouTube. But when you upload it to Facebook, they have like this compression algorithm that's comprised of monkeys with dull sledgehammers that kill your video and smash it into mashed potatoes, you know. So, so then there's that. So you you, know, you got to make the decision. Okay, I have the audience there, but if I put video up there, it's gonna look like crap. If you have to pick a place to post, you know, Facebook Facebook will crush your video. You know, so you can go on Instagram, but if you have followers on Facebook, it makes more sense to put it there. And then there's Vine that you have to consider that all the kids are raging about now. You know, so if Darlene, if you're gonna post a video online, where do you post it? Depends what I'm sharing. I mean, if it's if it's a tutorial or something that I've recorded or a screen capture, then I'm definitely putting it on on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And seeing how my iPhone is crapped out, I can't do any other kind of video right now. So that's my only option. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. So what about you, Joseph? Where do you, where do you throw your video if you're gonna put it on? And if it's not for a client, right? Uh, usually it goes to YouTube. That's the primary place for it. But I mean, the video that I do is it's always for a client. I don't post videos just for my own whimsy, um, unlike photos, which I post all the time. Uh, but you you were saying that, that Facebook munges your video down, but I don't know. I mean, I've been watching videos on Facebook that look great. I'm looking at them on the phone. Really? Um, I always tap the HD button to make sure that it renders, it plays back the HD version. But yeah, I mean, I've been watching them on a, um, okay, bragging point, iPhone 6 Plus. Oh, that thing is so cool. Uh, <laughs> 1920 by 1080 screen, and the video looks fantastic on there, right? And uh -huh. it because, but you have to tap that HD button, wait for it to reload. Uh, okay. But it, yeah, but it's looking right. good there. Well, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm uploading. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. I'll have to check that out. Well, when you're uploading, uh, if you're uploading from your phone, there is a button in the settings to enable HD uploads. So no, I, I'm uploading. If I put something up there, I'm going to do it from the desktop. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What about Vine, Joseph? Are you a, are you a Viner? 
I'm not. I've, again, got an account because you got to have it, want to hold on to it, but no. Every once in a while I launch it and flip through, but no. And then run away screaming? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for me, it's still, the still picture is still much more interesting. And I like that on Instagram I can do stills, and if I want to post a video, I can, whereas on Vine, it's all about the video. Um, yeah. And that's fine. You know, it's just a different place to post, and people are enjoying it for different reasons, but um, it's just not, not where I found my, my thing. Yeah, and if you're watching this video and my video is frozen or acting crazy, I have no idea why, <laughs> but uh, I think it's because we've mentioned illegal keywords in this stream, <laughs> and the Google bots are degrading our stream accordingly. <laughs> so, Stop it, Kurt. Google, come on. Google, Google rocks. Is Google awesome. is awesome. It's so good. It is so smooth. It's better than every other service. <laughs> All right, well, cool. Uh, yeah, so crazy. These numbers, again, 300 million monthly active users, up 50% in nine months for Instagram, and blowing past Twitter. So, geez, what is going to happen in the next six months, you know, or nine months? Or we're, what are we going to be talking about this time next year? It's just, or will, will Elo have blown everyone out of the water with their new service? Or will Instagram start charging for ads like Facebook uh, does now? Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. You know, these services, I really, honestly, I really wish they would charge. You know, yeah. I wish I could pay a monthly or a yearly fee and have a superior experience to the ad-served version of everything. Yeah. I would more than be willing to pay, you know, whatever, you know, not not crazy amounts, but... How much? 20 bucks? Yeah, 20 bucks, you know, like for, like if I could get an ad-free normal like pro version of Facebook or something I'd kick down like 50 bucks a year I would give them 50 bucks a year you know and multiply that by what you know I don't know 750 million users on Facebook <laughs> but there is a pro version of Flickr and yeah. I I don't have one and yeah. I know that's going to be another discussion so. That is another discussion. I love it. All right, let's let's move on. We spent enough time. How's that for a lead-in? On Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good segue. Um, story number two is about Adobe. So, um, wow, look at this story. So, shares in Photoshop Maker Adobe Systems soared to lifetime highs. Who's lifetime? Lifetime highs on Friday, a day after it announced its plans to buy stock photography company Photolia for $800 million and a quarterly jump in subscribers of the Creative Cloud. Their stock rose more than 10% and is now trading at $76.70. Um, and uh, the company said it would integrate Photolia, which offers royalty-free stock photos and video and uh, with Creative Cloud to raise the average user per subscriber or average revenue per subscriber. And Fotolia will continue as a standalone service. So Fotolia, Joseph, you're uh, you're one of those folks that might have an image or two on a stock service, if I'm not mistaken. You don't? I thought you had some stuff up on one of them. I I, I put a few images up on uh, iStock Photo. Yeah. In 2009, just mm -hmm. because um, I did. I never chased them. I think I've to date I've probably made enough money to go to Starbucks once, maybe twice. <laughs> Uh, but I never, I mean, I never pursued it. I never chased it. I recognized pretty quickly that that's a tough market. It requires a lot of time, a lot of investment into it if you're going to make a living at it. Um, yeah. 
and I just never have. It's one of those things I keep saying, you know, I should have some have an assistant go through my images and just start uploading stuff, keywording and uploading images to one of these stock agencies and see what happens because God knows I've got a huge library of photos, yeah. uh, but I've I've never done it. So yeah, nope. Yeah. So, what do you think about this? I mean, Adobe seems to. They get, it looks like they got some cash in their pockets, and they're spending some of it now. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So they're talking about raising the revenue per user. So I guess what that means is they're expecting their users to buy stock photography to do things with. Yeah. So, on one hand, I almost feel like this is not the greatest move because Adobe is software. Adobe Photoshop is software that's used by photographers. And you are basically now telling users that are maybe less than great photographers or people who are using it for graphic design and layout that you don't need to go to a real photographer to get an image. You can just buy one of our stock images for a lot less money. That's and yeah. so as a photographer, I look at that and go, well, why are you making it even easier for them to buy you know, mediocre images for a, a really low price that most people are just going to say, well, that's good enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're As photographers, we're fighting like crazy to get people to pay real money for good images because there's so much good enough stuff out there, uh, this just makes it even harder. So I don't know, that doesn't impress me that Adobe is doing that. I get it when Squarespace did that, right? Squarespace with Squarespace 7, you have access to their, uh, is it Getty or I don't remember which one, one of the stock agencies you can buy it licensed directly within the app. And that's cool, I get that. That's for bloggers and so on that need to have images. But this is an image-making company. I don't really understand this, this angle. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe maybe part of the angle will be to maybe streamline the process for content creators to submit imagery into the Fotolia library. Maybe that's, I don't know. I'm stretching. I have no inside information. Darlene, are you, do you uh, do you play around with stock at all? I'm I'm kind of in the same camp as Joseph because uh, I dabbled years ago, and then I came to the same conclusion he did: is that it, if you want to make any money, you got to do it full time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if you guys know who Daryl Benson is. Like, he's a friend of mine, and um, you know, big stock photographer from 20 plus years ago. And um, I mean, he'll he'll tell you that the industry, the bottom dropped out. You know, when stuff went royalty free, guys that were making six figure incomes in stock uh, lost two thirds of their income like overnight with the same images. Um, you know, pretty much all the stock agencies are owned by either Getty or Corvus or or now Adobe apparently. Um, so there's not a lot of small guys out there anymore, and if you are a small guy, it's hard to compete. So um, I, I personally have bought stock images, like I've used them in my course, actually, in some of our, our notes. You know, like I needed a picture of a filter on a white background. Okay, it's easier for me to go, you know, pay um, a few bucks for it and and get a picture of a filter on a white background than for me to set up a whole bunch of stuff in my house and and do that. So I, I see both sides of it. You know, there's definitely benefit to having it there. Um, I've worked with graphic artists where, you know, we've had to make um, graphics and things for our courses and stuff, and there are benefits to having access to libraries of things. And, and we have to keep in mind that stock agencies also have illustrations too, not just photos. They, they have videos and vector graphics and all that other stuff. Um, and I think that the majority, if we looked at I, I would actually be curious to see um, what the percentages that use Photoshop photographers versus graphic artists or professionals? Because I think that photographers are actually a smaller percentage than the graphic side of it. Mm. You think? I I would say. I mean, Photoshop was was created for graphic artists, and we started using it. You know, I mean, I've been using Photoshop since 
version two, like not CS2, like version two, right? Mm -hmm. um, I scanned my negatives and put it into Photoshop way back when. Um, so uh, it's, it's a program that, and I tell my students this in my class when I teach Lightroom, because Lightroom was designed for photographers. It's made for us, right? And it yeah. doesn't do everything because you don't have layers and masking and all that other stuff. But um, I still believe that Photoshop was designed from the ground up for graphic artists, and I'm still going to say that that's the majority um, of who uses it. Like, I know InDesign is popular as well with, with graphic artists. But it would be interesting to know. I don't, I've never seen any stats on that. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, since they sell everything now, for the most part, as a suite, uh, it's, yeah. it'd be probably harder to guess that because most people who have Photoshop are also going to have Illustrator and InDesign and Premiere and everything else. Yeah, I don't know. I certainly, I mean, I use it. I've been using Photoshop since you know, version 1.0. <laughs> it just yeah. like, goes way, way back into the dark ages, um, and always, always for photo-based stuff. I mean, I use it for illustration things as well, but its primary source for me has been photography. Hmm. Yeah. And for me, ever since Lightroom came out, like I've been on Lightroom since .08 beta tester, um, and I'm I'm Lightroom 95% of what I do, you know. But I'm also not doing uh, what I used to, which is would be, you know, if I was doing commercial stuff or more heavy-duty portrait stuff, I would probably use Photoshop more. But 95% of what I do is is Lightroom, and for most of the people that you know, I teach and people that come on my tours and my classrooms and stuff, they're they're Lightroom and it's much more user friendly interface for them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you, darling, you pointed out that you use some stock in your course. We use stock on this week in photo all the time because it just it's a it's a weekly show that it would be it would be impractical to try to go out every week to do original photography to illustrate the topics that we just found out about that week, you know, so, you know, and do that 52 weeks out of the year, so stock fills that need nicely. But, you know, I'll tell you, um, a couple of years ago, we were, we were using Creative Commons images on the site, and we just, you know, we wanted to, not that Commons images aren't good, but we were having trouble finding the right image consistently mm -hmm. of the right quality to go on the site every single time, whereas with stock, you know, you, the images largely are already curated and they're of a certain quality when you get up there. So, you know, which leads me into our next story, number three, which is about Flickr. Yeah, can I just add something about the stock thing? Yeah, before go for it, go for it. Um, here, I'll change my hats for a second. There we go. Um, so change my <laughs> hat now. <laughs> um, so... It's interesting because over on DPS we use Creative Commons images as well. Like um, I'll get people writing an article about business practices, for example, and they're not necessarily a photographer, but they're a business expert. Um, so I'll go pull images from Flickr, or we'll use some of the 500px licensed ones and, and embed them. Um, you know, just like we do videos from YouTube, embed them as well, and those are really helpful. Um, I, I totally get the point of sometimes there just isn't an image that you you need on Flickr under the Creative Commons license. But what does surprise me, is you'll be shocked by this, is the number of guest submissions that I get to DPS with people that send me an article um, with just random images pulled from the internet. And we're talking, these are photographers. I am not kidding. They send me images that they've pulled from the internet or images that they've pulled from Flickr that are create, that are copyright, they're not CC licensed, and they submit that to me. And I say, you know, are these your images? No, then I need to see where these came from. And if they can't show me where they came from, I can't use your images and I can't use the article. And it's yeah. it's shocking how many I get like that. 
Well, that, that, they just fail the Darwin test, you know, to get on DPS. <laughs> I mean, totally. come on, you know, come on, do the right thing, people. So, uh, so this next story, um, here, let me read the blurb that Bruce put in here. He says, Flickr, a site that sometimes seems like the punching bag of the photo community, is again taking heat from photographers, this time over their recent announcement that people can select from millions of Creative Commons licensed photographs to buy as wall art. Once again, they're selling Creative Commons licensed photographs that people can then buy as wall art. So the photos are being sold for profit, but none of that profit will go to the photographer who took the shots. And some of these photographers are speaking up that in, in calling this an injustice. So friend of the show, Thomas Hawk, who's been on TWIP uh, several times, shared some of his thoughts on his popular blog, and we'll link to that. And he basically pointed out that, you know, if you look at it, Flickr really isn't doing anything wrong. Quote, if you're going to license your photos, Creative Commons, with no restriction, then you ought to be prepared for this type of use. If it's not Flickr selling them, anyone else can legally. If you're uncomfortable with this idea, then you should not use Creative Commons without any sort of restriction. If you like the idea of Creative Commons but are uncomfortable with the commercial use without being compensated, then consider changing your license to Creative Commons non-commercial, like I license mine, end quote. So, you know, again, so folks that are upset, upset at Flickr are basically saying, hey, I said you could use this however I want to use it, or however you want to use it, but since you're Flickr and you got a lot of money, don't be selling my stuff. <laughs> you know, Joseph, what, what do you think of Thomas Thomas's comments, and what do you think of, of Flickr's move here? Well, it's, you know, what he's saying is accurate, right? That's that's the rules. You set it up. You chose to license or to not license your pictures to um, put the Creative Commons on there. Mm -hmm. And that's just that's the way it is. If you read the license, then you would understand that that's what you are setting yourself up for. Um, but that doesn't make it right. Just because it's legal doesn't make it right. And the last line of the notes here, it says that uh, you know, Flickr may not be breaking any rules, but it's, uh, it's also probably a bad PR move for them. And I think it is. It just makes them look bad. But, you know, they, apparently big companies can survive that. How many times has Facebook done things that just make them look absolutely terrible, but they don't seem to see any dip in users. People just forget about it and move on. So yeah. people will complain and piss and moan about it, and a couple of people will go on and check their images and, and possibly change their uh, change their licensing on there, change it to the Creative Commons non-commercial. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure most people will just complain about it and not even look to see if it's affecting them at all. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, like, like you said, when Facebook does stuff like this, it's kind of like the person in traffic that cuts you off, and they know they cut you off, and you make eye contact, eye contact with them, and they smile, you know, <laughs> and keep going. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I cut you off. But, hey, how you doing? You know. They, they have a gesture for that here in Nicaragua. <laughs> There's a universal, worldwide gesture for that. Oh no, it's it's ten, it's way more um, serious than that, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna demonstrate it. Uh, okay, can we have a, can you do an illustration? Do some stock photography of it and we'll put it in the post. <laughs> I'll draw a stick figure. Yeah, license at Creative Commons. So. Hey, I would actually like to see what images there what images Flickr has decided are good enough to print and sell that the photographer was good enough to make an image that good but not clever enough to license it non-commercial. Right. You know, I mean there's 
there's a disparity there. If you're just a you're just uploading pictures of your kids or just flowers in the garden that are just you know half-assed pictures, and you just choose the easiest license, yay! And then you're probably going to complain about it. But frankly, is Flickr really going to sell your image? I mean, come on, you know, yeah. it's it's nothing special to begin with. But for those who are making really great images, they're probably a bit more aware of this and probably a bit more selective about the license they choose. So I really would be curious to see the 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 Venn diagram, the narrow selection of images that are both good enough to sell as prints and came from photographers who didn't choose a more restrictive license. It'd be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah, because like Thomas Hawk says, he's got, you know, gazillions of images up there, but they're all non-commercial. I wonder what Trey's licenses are, you know, because I know he's he likes non-commercial, right? Yeah, so people of that... Oh, absolutely, and, and he's been hugely vocal about that. I, I haven't heard anything in a while, but I remember a few years ago, you know, he's been doing his Creative Commons non-commercial for years, and it was last year or something, some big firm grabbed one of his images and used it in a major ad and uh, you know he he was taken care of <laughs> he had to go back yeah. to after them but he won of course there you go cha-ching so what about you guys both of you uh, creative commons non-commercial or just creative commons and do with it what you will Darlene what do you think um, I, I don't put a lot of stuff on Flickr and um, generally when I do I've put it up as creative commons but yeah I mean I'm, I'm hesitant to you know temp thinking about going changing them all he said, I don't use it a whole great deal. Mostly it's for communicating with um, students and people that are doing my courses. We have private Flickr groups and things like that. But I went to the page as Joseph was talking, and I'm looking through you know, the images under what, their curated collections, and there's a lot of great images here. But, I mean, wasn't there, wasn't there a stink a while ago, like maybe a year ago, when the new CEO of Flickr said something, you know, kind of, um, off the cuff that really went the wrong way. It was something about, you know, um, you know, you don't need a real photographer. You can just, you know, take the photos yourself yeah, or something. That. And, um, and that, that, sounds that went bad really quickly. But then again, like, you know, everybody's forgotten about it, like you said, right? And I think there's a good, there's a lot to that, um, you know. But interesting, um, again, on the other side, in my DPS hat, I get to see a lot of things, right? Um, and every week on DPS we do a collection of images and I just go typically I've been pulling them from Flickr and we actually were um, I was on the podcast with um, Evgeny and um, he said hey you guys should be using 500px images so we we talked off the show and um, he's you know said this is how you do it and you pull the embed code so basically if you're on 500px and you search for light 500px license um, you can pull the embed code and put it on your, your website, and I've looked through their terms of service. It's absolutely correct. I've checked with him. It's absolutely correct. We're using it correct, and yet we still have people complain that you've taken my images incorrectly. We, you owe me 50 bucks or whatever it is wow. um, on DPS, yeah. and I just take their images off, and I say, you know, I'm sorry if you don't want to be part of that. You might want to change your license, and you might want to go and read the rules to see what exactly you're, you're allowing with that license and it's interesting because just as a test I uploaded a couple of pics to D, D, uh, 500px and they automatically default to their license mm. so you need to know that that's there you need to know what that means and you need to turn it off right so it's yeah. it's kind of buyer beware right or user beware you need to know your Facebook you know terms of service and privacy rules and all that stuff um, you need to know Flickr, what license to pick. You need, like, you need to read the rules. And when that 30-page thing comes up, 
you know, maybe you don't want to read all of it, but you want to read the sections that are pertinent to what you're doing. But nobody, see, that's the thing. There was this documentary on Netflix that called, uh, you know, I think it was called Terms of Service or Some Restrictions May Apply or something like that. It's a documentary. And it was talking about YouTube and these companies like Facebook that have these terms of service. Even Apple was in there. You know, these terms of service that, you know, they put the terms of service between you and the juicy nugget of the software that you are trying to get to. And you're just like, you know, it's like wrapping paper. You just want to get through the wrapping paper to get to the gift, you know. Screw screw what was written on the wrapping paper. Just let me have the, the cool thing inside. And, no, and, you know, it's just an opt-in. You click and you opt-in and you've committed yourself and licensed your images or whatever at that point. So what's what's the solution to that? Yeah, obviously the onus is on the user to read that, and legally all the entity has to do is put it in front of you and tell you to read it, you know, and they're absolved of any wrongdoing. But in reality, nobody wants to read that stuff, and, you know, we're lazy. We're going to read volumes of stuff to find... If they put a pair, if they put a comma instead of a period at the end of that, thus changing the whole meaning, you know, and now I gave my the rights to my firstborn away, you know. So right. how, how do you, and Joseph? I know you can you can you can grok that. So what does what does that mean though? How do you how do you reconcile that? You know. Well, you you definitely have to pay attention and decide what's read. what's okay with you. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at 500px right now and. Not only is 500px the default license, all the other available licenses are basically Creative Commons. There is no copyright license, at least that I'm seeing, uh, from when you upload. Now, I know that you can make your photo private, uh, which I, I'm not sure if that means uh, only your friends can see it. I'm not sure how that really works. I'm not really a super big 500px user, but there is no copyright license to put on there. Hmm. Oh. All right. We'll have to get Evgeny on here to, to straighten that stuff out, too. There you go to write the copy wrong. Or... Well, and like I said, when we had somebody, um, you know, raise a complaint with us, and we actually got in a good discussion with the person, and we suggested that they write an article for us. <laughs> so um, it, worked out, it worked out well. But um, we actually went to Evgeny and said, you know, look, hey, are we doing this right, or are we doing something wrong? So we wanted to make sure we were following all the rules, because we're really careful about that at DPS, yeah. like really yeah. careful. I'm looking on Flickr right now. I'm looking for Trey's images. Is he under stuck in customs or what is he under? Probably stuck in customs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and All just right. for the record, compared to Flickr, Flickr does have a full copyright. Um, mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the default default or if it's just what I have my default set to. But the it's set to when I upload an image but right away it says none, all rights reserved. So that's full co full copyright. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess bottom line is pay attention, folks. You know, yeah. it may it may take you an extra 15, 20 minutes to kind of scrub through it, but scrub through it. And if you don't agree, then don't sign it and walk yeah. away. You know, yeah. which is, might be easier said than done if there's a juicy new service there that you want to sign up for. You know, but you know, at least you'll be armed with the knowledge of knowing what you're getting yourself into. Right. Yep. To confirm, Trey's licenses is non-commercial. Non-commercial. Yeah. All right. Non-commercial is the looks like that's the standard MO, or that's this one of the one of the habits of highly effective photographers <laughs> to go to go non-commercial. All right. Before we jump into the listener Q and A, I want to thank our next sponsor for this episode of TWIP, and that's our friends at Lynda.com. 
And as the holidays approach, what could be more satisfying than giving the gift of learning to friends and family? For a limited time, lynda.com is offering a 20% discount on select memberships. Just go to lynda.com for more information. And remember, with lynda.com, you'll keep up to date with your software. You can pick up brand new skills. You can explore new hobbies with their easy to follow video tutorials. Whether you want to learn how to use Photoshop, improve your photography skills, or manage your photos in Lightroom, lynda.com offers thousands of courses covering a variety of topics. You can learn software, creative, business skills, photography techniques, web design, and more. And they've got over 3,000 courses available today, and they add more each and every week. And their courses are taught by industry experts. Lynda.com instructors are accomplished professionals at the tops of their fields and professional and passionate about their teaching. Their courses, lynda.com courses, are high-quality video productions, and the videos are made in state-of-the-art studios. They use screenshots, narration, live action, smart boards, charts, graphics, audio, you name it to get the point across. Point is, no homemade YouTube videos here. And the courses are broken into bite-sized pieces, so whether you have 15 minutes or 15 hours, you can learn at your own pace and on your own terms. And for one low monthly price of $25, you get unlimited access to the entire course library. Now, for me personally, as I mentioned on the show before, I'm on a never-ending quest to learn new things, and the latest new thing that I'm trying to get my brain around is Final Cut Pro 10. So I've been learning this application and using lynda.com as my in-office personal trainer to walk through the application. So I sat down with the computer um, in front of me with Final Cut and lynda.com assets on my hard drive that I downloaded for the Final Cut Essentials course, and then I had lynda.com running on the iPad right next to me with the video playing and walking me through each step of Final Cut Pro 10 as I learned how to use the application. And it sort of occurred to me that this was not possible several years ago. This is a priceless sort of walkthrough education of someone that's much smarter than I am on this application, taking me by the hand and showing me step-by-step how to use Final Cut Pro. And for TWIP listeners, I've worked out a special deal with Linda to provide you with a special offer to access the entire library free for seven days. Just visit lynda.com slash TWIP. That's lynda.com slash TWIP to try Linda free for seven days. Remember, lynda.com slash twip. All right, it's time for that listener Q&A. And today's question is, what mode should I shoot in? This is a big question. I know you guys get this a lot, especially since you're both educators. Um, What mode should I shoot in? Aperture priority, shutter priority, manual, or program, or a.k.a. professional? You know, <laughs> Darlene, what's what's the best mode? All cool kids say, "Hey, you're not a photographer unless you shoot in manual." And some of them say, "You know, I shoot everything in aperture aperture priority and let the camera pick the shutter speed." What's right? What's right and what's wrong? So I teach them that there's appropriate modes for for the subject matter, right? So um, I use aperture mode for most of the stuff. If I'm just walking around doing a photo walk or um, you know, travel stuff, then I'm most often in Aperture Priority or here in Nicaragua, Apertura. Um, <laughs> and if you're shooting something that's that's moving, like if you want to do panning or something like that, then I switch to Shutter Priority, um, mm-hmm. where I want to control my shutter speed. 
um, if I'm shooting on a tripod, I'm always almost always in manual, and that has to do with I want to control the exposure and lock it down um, and if I'm on a tripod I usually have the time to take my time and make sure I get the exposure right uh, but having said all of that um, I also tell people that you know if you're a beginner if if you want to you know get a shot and there's something coming down the street of marching band like what happens here you know practically every day um, and and you get flustered if you're in a hurry stick it on program stick it on auto you know there's no there's no shame in doing that if you're going to get the shot versus trying to fumble around in manual and miss it completely. So I think there's there's baby steps. You know, I mean, eventually everybody wants to move to the other side of the dial where there's the more manual settings. That's kind of where you have control of your images and you're going to be able to make them look how you want. But there's no shame in going to auto if you need to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like driving a car, man. Hey, you know, no shame in automatic. Um, and if you know how to shoot in manual or know how to drive in manual, you'll have much more control over the vehicle, but you can still get to where you're going in the automatic. Joseph, you, you, uh, you know, I feel like you and I had this conversation a long time ago, and you said, was it you that told me that real photographers shoot in manual? I think it was you. I would no. say with you, like no, no, it was Egan. It was our friend <laughs> Egan Phillips told me that. Ah, Egan. <laughs> Egan, Egan told me that. Real photographer shoot manual. So what do you, what do you think about this? Because you, I know you shoot with some newfangled cameras. You know, like your GH4 that shoots 4K has a intelligent auto mode on there, and you can do all kinds of cool stuff. Are you, as a pro photographer, that shot? You know, musicians like Seal and car campaigns for, you know, these German car companies and all that. Do you stay away from P? Or, in other words, what mode do you find yourself in? Well, it's for me, it's exactly what Darlene said. Uh, you know, most of the time, street photography, just average everyday shooting, it's aperture priority because it's the depth of field that I want to control. Mm -hmm. If there's some type of moving subject that I want to either freeze or specifically blur, then it's going to go into shutter priority. Mm -hmm. And for those oh crap moments, or if I'm handing the camera over to someone, um, I may mm -hmm. flip it into pro the program. Yeah. And tripod or in the studio, it's always full manual in the studio because that's just what it needs to be in. So. That's yeah. It's exactly what Darlene said. I think that the the thing to pass on to people who are trying to learn photography and try to figure this out is to not just stick it in a mode and forget about it, but it's to take advantage of that mode to understand the relationship between aperture and shutter speed and ISO. And the more you understand the relationship between the three, then the more you're going to understand why you want to be in a, any particular mode at any particular time. Why you want to choose f4 versus f11. Why you want to choose a 30th versus 250th of a second. Uh, those are all very important things to understand if you want to have control over your photography and using these semi-automatic modes is the best way to really get that. And I'll even go one step further on that. I've told people before, if you're really just totally new, you really just don't get it at all. Most modern DSLRs or mirrorless cameras have these super auto modes that are kind of like a, a night mode or sports mode or a snowy day mode or day at the beach mode and those sort of things. When you're in that situation, switch into that mode. Take some pictures, and the pictures are probably going to turn out awesome because the camera is really, really smart these days. But then take the time to look at the settings that the camera chose. What ISO did it choose? What aperture did it choose? What shutter speed? Why? Once you understand the relationship and you start to see what the camera is choosing, you can make an, uh, an informed, educated decision when it comes time to do it manually or to take more control over it. And then when you say, okay, well, I like what the camera did in the starry night mode, uh, when shooting the you know, Las Vegas at night, 
but I really want it to do this instead. Well, if you understand the relationship, then you know how to do that as opposed to just randomly spinning dials until you get the right result, which, you know, can work too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, let the camera teach you, right? Yeah, this is yeah. like basically the camera, the, camera, the camera saying, hey, you know, dude, I know you know what you're doing, but this is how I would shoot this scene. <laughs> you know? Right. This is, this is a good starting point. You know, you can – and I think that's the, that's the difference between um, – I think program, because there's program and then there's another program. Um, but one of the program modes uh, gives you a good starting point, right? So, you know, you get you, it, you you can set the camera, get the exposure, and then modify it from there, right? And then sure. other, other program modes will lock it down and basically, you know, hey, this is what you're going to get. All you can do, guy, is move the camera and press the shutter. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, like exactly shooting aperture priority, but then writing the exposure up and down the exposure compensation dial. That's that's me, right? I'm shooting it, let's say f2.8. I'm usually shooting wide open with whatever lens I've got on there, maybe a stop down, and then I'm writing that exposure compensation. If I want the image to feel a little darker, okay. a little brighter, that's what I'm sliding. Totally. Yeah. If cool. I can add something, um, yeah, something else that commonly I encounter with um, a lot of my students or people have heard, you know, they want to they wanna get a sharp image and so they, they dial in like F11 or F8 because they want to have depth of field thinking that, okay, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get my focus critical so if I have enough depth of field I'll, I'll nail the whole thing and what happens is um, they're also afraid of high ISO so they're shooting at 100 or 200 ISO at F11 and it's you know a cloudy day or they've stepped inside of a building or something or in the shade and they end up with a quarter of a second exposure and then they got nothing in focus because it's completely blurry um, due to camera shake and and subject movement and all that stuff so the biggest thing that I see is you know not just like Joseph said going into those modes but knowing okay why am I choosing f11 why am I choosing f2.8 um, and I live sort of on that end of the spectrum as well like most of the time I'm wide open too and I even go to extremes on my lenses I'm usually either super wide or super long and uh, it's interesting because you didn't even ask me about my Fuji experience because I went to the mirrorless camera here in Nicaragua oh and, I um, forgot about that yeah, yeah how'd that go well I kind of don't want to talk about it because my my Fuji is actually in Canada back in the Fuji office getting tested because it died after two oh. weeks Oh, no. And we don't know why, and I haven't heard back yet, so I'm kind of not real happy about it. And um, I'm actually using one of the girls that was on my tour, um, became a, quite a good friend, and she's from the same city, so she took it home for me and left me her Olympus OMD. Um, so I've got her EM5 that I've been mm. shooting with, and yeah, uh, awesome. anything you see me post on Facebook, and I just uploaded some to Google Plus today, is um, most recently all with the EM5. So I'm actually I'm liking it. I'm liking it. I'm digging it. I did a portrait shoot on Saturday with it, and um, you know it's sharp. Mm -hmm. I shot some stuff um, one day at 1600 ISO, 3200 ISO, and I saw almost no grain, no noise. I was really, really impressed. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely a mirrorless convert. I love the cameras. Um, what happens with my Fuji is. Um, Estoy, estoy muy triste right now. <laughs> I'm almost sad. So, muy loco en la cabeza. <laughs> no, loco en la cabeza. No, loco, loco. No, well, Fuji. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I, I wonder what Valerie would say of that because Valerie is like the the Fuji poster Fuji child queen. unofficially. I know. I know. We, her and I, we got we to gotta do a Skype call one day to catch up because we haven't talked in a while. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. But I've also talked with um, 
oh, I can't remember his name now. He does a lot of HDR stuff, and uh, he was like one of their testers. And um, I've actually talked with him, and, and he said he's not experienced anything like that. So I'm, I'm hoping that they come back with, I just got a dud, and, and they give yeah. me a new one, and I'm all yeah. set. But um, what they told me at the camera store is that it was humidity. And sure, it's humid here, but so is half the world, you know. So I can't go to anywhere humid with the camera. Like, I've never heard of that, you know. Stay, like, above, sure. stay above the equator and stay out of Florida and California these days. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously, I mean, like, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, like, I can't ever go to Asia or or the tropics nah. or anywhere then. And that's like, I've never had a camera completely die like that. Yeah. And yeah. literally, I'm sure it's just a bum unit. That is but you know, we we have to remember too that these cameras are computers. It, yeah. It's not sure. like it's just sure. a mechanical beast that runs film through it. These are very complicated, very complex devices that you know sometimes they fail. You get a bad unit, you get a bad computer, yeah. you get a bad that's iPad, you like. get a bad hard so drive. I'm I'm crossing my fingers, knock on wood, that. Well, um, it was just a dud, and I, I get a new one, and I'm good to go before Cuba. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident you will, because that's the first time I've heard um, anything like that about Fuji. You know, it's been maybe I'll, I'll tag like Fuji Canada when you post the podcast and have them listen to this, and yeah, <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll get my issue resolved quicker. Because they've had it four weeks already, and and I'm kind of like, okay, what's the deal here? Yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting. All right, guys, we're we're running out of time. This is time it goes so fast every single time. It's like a therapy session. Um, <laughs> hey, not that I'm in therapy. Not that there's anything wrong with therapy. Hey, did you guys want to see? This is some Nicaraguan money. Oh, look at that! How much is that worth? Um, this is ten Cordobas. Um, here's a twenty. Okay, so this is about seventy-five cents. Out. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So if you go out for dinner, expect to spend. Well, I mean, it's not expensive, but you know, you're regular. You're regularly putting out like a five five hundred dollar bill, or it seems feels like a lot of money because it's like five hundred units. Right? I'd be a baller down there, man. I would just go cash in like three hundred bucks and just lay in it in my room. You know. <laughs> yeah, you'd have a lot of money for three hundred bucks. Yeah, I'd be like, look at all this. I'm rich. <laughs> But a beer is a dollar, and you can get, you know, like a shot of rum for a buck, and a mojito is two bucks, so it goes right. far. Now, is it is it safe to drink the water? Um, our roommates are drinking the water here in Granada, and their water is supposed to be fairly good, but we're we're drinking filtered. Okay. And I'm I'm sort of dealing with a bug right now, so I'm uh -oh. I'm hoping I don't have a parasite. Yeah, it's not. Uh -oh. good. All right, I'll hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not that. It's not that. <laughs> All right, guys, let's do our uh, our pick of the week segment. Uh, Joseph, what is your pick? I'm looking at the notes here, and it looks pretty cool, but tell us about it. Okay, so yeah, my pick of the week is Felix Lights. That's F-I-I-L-E-X, and these are very high-end, very high-quality LED lights for doing photography, video, whatever the case may be. And um, I first got introduced these, to these guys back at WPPI, and I checked out, walked by their stand. They're kind of a small stand, smaller company, and I was looking at their stuff. It looked really nice. And then they showed me the price tag, and I'm like, ah, God, you mm -hmm. kidding me for LEDs? But I came to quickly understand that good LEDs are something you have to pay good money for. Um, you know, it's just if you really want that quality, that really good quality light control, really good bright output that's consistent, then like anything else, you know, you get what you pay for. But I started with just a, a little light, a little, um, what was it, a P100, which is just a, a really small kind of you mount it on your camera if you want to. Obviously, it isn't super bright. Mm -hmm. And a desk lamp. They have this desk lamp that is 
the V70, and it's this gooseneck lamp, and it's actually what I'm using right now to light myself, for those watching on video. Oh, cool. And, yeah, it's really cool. You tap to cycle through three different dimness settings and also tap to cycle through color temperature settings. So if you want to... Uh, one of the main reasons that I have it is for viewing prints. I want to look at them under good, bright, daylight quality light and see how they look, and that's that's a great use for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I recently bought was this ridiculous lighting kit. Um, the uh, I put the notes. What was the model number? The K412, I think that's it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, K412, and that's four lights. It's two larger lights and two smaller lights. It comes in a hard wheel-bound, wheel-carrying case, light stands, and barn doors and all kinds of little accessories for it to control your light. And if you're serious about doing video, it's uh, it's a pretty sweet kit to have. I am really, really impressed with this. Mm. Wow. Mm. How much are we <laughs> looking for right. this sweet kit? That K412 kit's a little north of three grand. Three grand? Oh, geez. For four high-quality oh. lights. That's what I paid for my Pro Photo kit. You know, several years ago, and the yeah. thing is, the Pro Photo Kits, it looks like I bought it yesterday. And I beat the heck out of that stuff, use it all the time in the studio, use it out in the field, and it works as good as the day that I bought it. It's and a that's tool. Exactly what yeah. I expect out of this. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I expect out of this. It's, it's a lot of money spent, but this is stuff that should last for a very, very long time. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. In the end, it's it's a wash, right? Because if you spread the cost over, let's say, 10 years, then it's relatively cheap if it lasts that long. Right. Whereas if you bought cheap lights that cost a hundred bucks, in about three months they disintegrate into nothing. Right. Right. And you know, cheap lights, it's not just about the fact that they disintegrate, it's about the quality of light that you get out of them. Yeah. That's why I, I love pro photos, right? You get a consistent quality of light. Those things are clean every single time. When you pop that light ten times in a row, you get the exact same output ten times in a row. You can't say that for lower quality lights. They change. And that's not good. <laughs> when you're doing serious studio work, you know your light's changing on you. And that's right. the same thing here with the LEDs. You want a quality, consistent output. Uh, these you can dial the color temperature between what is it, 36 or 3,000 degrees and 5,600 degrees Kelvin, just to oh. dial on the back. So you know if you're trying to match it to an, an existing ambient light source, you can just dial the color temperature into what you want. Or if you want to be a little effective about it, when I did this demo up at uh, Profoto up in Portland a couple weeks ago. I brought that kit with me and set the camera to daylight balance, lit the subject with the daylight balanced light, and then on the background shown another light, but dialed it down to 3,000 3, or something, and um, and it put this nice warm glow on the background, totally changed the color of the background. Yeah. So you can do that sort of thing as well. It's really cool. It's and really you, it's interesting. Were you video for that, or are you doing stills with continuous light? Uh, both. That was a it was kind of a demo of shooting 4K video, extracting stills, still frames out of 4K video. So you can nice. pull an 8 megapixel still frame out of a 4K video stream. So shooting with the LX100 or the GH4, uh, shooting in this environment, and and we did it was kind of a fun. We did a little demo where I had a model and kind of a mock interview, and I wanted to show how you can use 4K video to cut around a uh, a mistake in the video or a mistake in the interview. So we had the model say something like, you know, oh, my name is Sarah, and I'm a musician. Oh, whoops, I mean, and I'm a model. Right, so we had this thing we had to edit around, and with, but with one camera, so we were able to shoot her saying her name, and then we just cut to the I'm a model part, and to keep it from being just a jump cut, we cut into it, pushed into the shot, and still have you know, full resolution in HD because you're sizing the 4K down, yeah. pushing into yeah. it, just like we did with the Instagram stuff. It's really, really cool. What were you, uh, what, what... Editor, were you using to do the edit? File cut. I knew it. How did I know that? How did I know that? 
Very cool. All right, that's a good that's a good pick, though slightly pricey for north of three grand for the K four twelve Felix LED lights, but you get what you pay for. So you yeah, I'll for. definitely check that out. And that is a kit of four. That's four lights right there. So. So it's that. So Joseph, it's like, should I get the Felix lights or should I go buy the DJI Inspire drone? <laughs> you know? Well, considering that if the FAA gets their way, you're going to need a pilot's license to fly that drone. I'd go for the lights. Oh, that's a whole nother story. Whole nother story. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Thanks a lot for that. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. All right, Darlene, what is your pick of the week? This one looks interesting, too. What you, you know, got going on? I seem, I seem to be the counter all the time because I don't know if these guys, whoever I'm opposite with always seems to come up with something super expensive. And I always find, like, the bargain basement discount stuff. So I don't know if that's just by accident or, or fluke or maybe I'm just... That's like, the universe at work. The water. universe seeks to keep <laughs> maybe, everything yeah. in balance. <laughs> maybe I'm just a tight one. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so um, obviously my pick is going to be DPS related because we got the 12 Days of Christmas going on right now. I saw that. Um, By the time, if you're listening live, we're already like three days in. By the time the podcast is on the website, we'll be uh, quite a ways in. So what the deal is that every day there is a new product on sale um, at a a substantial discount. Most of them are are 50% or more. And uh, I'm really excited to say that we're going to have our portrait lighting course will be um, included in the sale. So how people can get notice of that is you can either check back on the site every day, and I've given the link for that, or you can actually sign up on a different page, and they'll email you with the, the new item. So you can just check your email, see if it's something you're interested in, and go check it out. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my thing. So okay. I'm hoping to... Be really, I'm super excited about being in the sale with a product this year. So, yeah. um, that's what I got. And that it's 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 that's that's awesome. I know you you guys work really hard on that product that you you put out. So congratulations on the success of you've been seeing. It's really cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we we worked our butts off, man, for like six months, and now I'm in Nicaragua. I get to tomorrow tomorrow we're going. Uh, my husband and I are going up the volcano, Mombacho volcano to stay in a lodge up at the top of the volcano and just hang out there for the evening. We're going to completely unplug. We're not taking any electronics, and um, we're just going to sit there and listen to the monkeys and watch the whatever critters are crawling around and have, have a night, uh, no technology night. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I'm, I'm surrounded by technology 90% of my life. I there really will, however, be, be drinks. There will be beverages. <laughs> What's that? Say that again. There will, however, be beverages. Maybe does. Oh yeah, you need that. You need that. <laughs> Especially to get through a night without technology. You can't even... <laughs> No, come on. I mean, you got to kick your feet up next to the volcano and and sip a little. Come on. Yeah. Well, he'll probably smoke a cigar or something. I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, yeah, that's that's on my list. My bucket list for 2015 is to. I need to see some lava. You know, oh, yeah. I need to see some flowing lava. I need to see some earth being created at some point. So, well, I I believe there there are some active ones here. So come on down. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking Hawaii. I want to hit hit yeah. Hawaii and get to those and burn you my get shoes the right up. Time. Yeah. I know. Well, I mean, when, hey. was it like a season for lava? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> here here in Nicaragua. It's not in season. It's not really flowing this time of year. <laughs> No, no. Here, here in Nicaragua, you can go to a volcano called Cerro Negro, 
and you can hike to the top and it's it's basically like barren it's above the tree line it's all just volcanic rock and when you get to the top you got to you got to haul this board up but basically they they put you in this orange suit you hike up to the top it's like 45 minutes and uh, you slide down on a board. Basically, you like toboggan down a volcano. It's crazy. That's sick. That is a job for a GoPro or something, man. You need, to, you got to do that. Yeah, you do. Totally. Yeah, you totally yeah. do. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsors for their support of the show. Joseph Lenaski, where can uh, where can people go to check out some of the stuff that you got cooking up over there? Anything with Photo Joseph in the name, uh, head over to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, Photo Joseph, and check it out. And check out my uh, my week of series. Every week I pick a new theme, and I'm posting a photo from my archives every day of that week. And uh, other than the week that my kiddo was born, I've been consistent for a couple months now. Photo a day type of thing. It's uh, that's hard to do. <laughs> it yeah. takes a lot of time, but yeah. it's been fun to go through the archives and pull images out for that. What about the photos expert? How's that going? It's going good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the new Photos app for OS X isn't out yet, so we're in a bit of a limbo state, so still talking about Aperture and talking about some of the new stuff on iOS. But traffic is consistent. Uh, most of the users are holding on to see what happens next, and, yeah, we're trekking along. And when is, when is Photos, when is the app going to come out again? Yeah, well, you know, Apple, no date announced, but early 2015, I believe, was the, the statement. Well, hopefully. All right. Can't wait to see what happens. Should be exciting, whatever they do. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Joseph. Always appreciate it. All right, Miss Darlene Hildebrandt, what about you? Where can people go to connect with you and, and see some of the stuff that you're working on and follow your exotic travels around the globe? Best place is digitalphotomentor.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Google+, Twitter. Show me in the notes. But best place is my website. That's, mm -hmm. where, I, that's where I got my current stuff happening. Not Ello? You don't want to Ello or Instagram? Mm, no. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Let me think. Mm, no. Yeah, how about that? Hey, I learned the word today in Spanish for not so much. Tanto. Tanto. Not so much. What is it? Say it again. Tanto. Tanto. I thought that was the Lone Ranger. No tanto. Like. No tanto. So tanto <laughs> is, is much or a lot. Um, ta no tanto is not so much. All right. All right. No tanto. No tanto. All right. Uh, well, cool. Thanks for coming on, Darlene. Always, always a pleasure having you counterbalance the expensive <laughs> suggestions that the other guests give. worth of LEDs. It's a, this product is a three Alex. Isn't that how that was supposed to go? Oh yeah, yeah. Like an Alex was what a hundred bucks or something, or is it grand? It was a grand. I think it was a grand. Yeah. Yeah, it's a grand. Yeah, yeah. That was a three, three plus Alex. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, listeners, be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find all of the This Week in Photo shows in the network, and you can subscribe to them at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.